You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's up, Kraken fans? Welcome to Season 2, Episode 5 of Keeping Up with the Krakens, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. This is your co-host of the pod, Tyler Bell, coming from the beautiful BAMP, Alberta, and just like always, joined by fellow co-host of the pod, Alec Durham. How are you doing today, my brother? Not too bad, dog. How are you doing? Oh, not too bad. Just trying to stay warm, you know. Pretty much just spent today all inside because the last few days out here, it's uh, temperature temperatures dropped pretty gnarly, man. It, it is freaking cold out here in Banff right now. Yeah, I mean, I saw your snap about minus eighteen, and I laughed because I was like, "Fuck!" I worked in a t-shirt all weekend. I think we had twenty-four degrees on Friday. That's bullshit. Yeah, we're at like minus. Let's see here minus 15 right now and it's like you know 450 so you know it's it's a bit chilly it's a bit chilly right now it was minus 26 this morning at like 7 a.m so uh yeah it's a big quick turnaround and winter's here baby and i'm ready to uh start hitting the slopes here so pumped for that you're gonna get out slap some powder how about uh how about you are you gonna try to make it out west for another rip this winter if possible if it works out I kind of doubt it will work out with work, so I'm going to be doing my ripping around locally. Nice. What are you thinking? What hills? Are you going to try to get up to Blue Mountain? I don't know. That's like two hours away. I think if there's three within 45 minutes. Yeah, but nothing like Blue, though. All the other ones are are just small little hills. Nothing even compares. Yeah, I guess after you've been to Banff, they're all small hills. Yeah, very true. Anyways, moving along here, Durham. How about the Seattle Kraken this week, man? This past week, they just played three games, all on the road, all big victories. What a team right now. Yeah, I didn't even uh, see that one coming. I mean, saw the first two wins coming. I was hoping the Pens would pull one out of their ass, but fuck me, what a tire fire that is right now. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. But uh, yeah, back to the Kraken here. Uh, they started things off with a huge 5-4 win in Calgary last week. Uh, basically, yeah, it was a week from today. And uh, we seen Joey Decard, Joey Decard getting the start in net. And what a performance he put up in this game. Yeah, I thought he played great. I mean, 36 out of 40 saves. Like That's what you're asking for, the guy getting his first dub, right? Yeah, no kidding. His first dub in a Seattle Kraken jersey uh, and just his second career NHL win as well, right? Yeah, which is great for a young guy. Yeah, and I mean, I, I love to see it, Joey. I mean, he's such a character. He's such a good guy. And, you know, obviously we don't want to see long-term injuries happening with Grubauer being out and and put on week to week. And that's why Joey Decard, Decord got the call up and... uh yeah, it was just fantastic performance from him. And not only him, but the whole team. And what a comeback victory it was. 
Yeah, pretty big comeback. A little spoiler alert, pay attention to the comeback for later on, but they've only done something like that twice. Yeah, what was the other time that they did that? Yeah, the only other time that uh, Seattle has come back from down two goals in the third period and one in regulation, they've done it twice. They've done it this Calgary game, and they did it on March 19th, 2022 against Detroit. Yeah, that's pretty pretty crazy how it's only the second time. But, I mean, multi-goal comeback wins in the third period, they're pretty rare in the NHL. Yeah, you don't see them too often. No, not at all. And, uh, you know, this game against Calgary, I was trying to make it out for it, but, again, couldn't get work off. That would have been really cool to, you know, take a trip down to uh, Calgary to watch this one. But what a clinic they put on. And it started off by Carson Soucy walking in in the first period, just about five minutes into the game there, and absolutely roofs one uh, on Dan Vladar, who was in net for Calgary. Yeah, I thought that was nice patience from Burakovsky to find Susie there off the rush too. Just holds up a bit and finds the trailing guy. Yeah, no, it was perfect. And that was Carson Susie's first goal of the season. And if you remember back to last year, he led all defensemen on this team in goals. So it was uh, about time before the Seuss got loose in this season. Dr. Seuss, baby, he's coming back. Dr. Seuss. And then another defenseman getting on the board, but this time it was Calgary and they would tie things up in the second period uh and that would be nikita zadorov just taking a feed little cross ice and it looked like joy Decord had no chance on that one yeah that's one you certainly can't fault him on no i think the defense coverage has to be on top of that um but yeah that was a tough one to give up there and uh it it allowed calgary to get right back into the game and not just back into the game, but then Kadri would get a chance and offer a little rush play there and just have a nice one where he tucks it on the far side to take the lead. Yeah, and you see it on the replay. He, you know, he drove the net pretty hard. Looked like he got a little piece of joy decor. They would uh, review that one. Ultimately, it would count, and they would hold on to that 2-1 lead, but not for long. No, Morgan Geeky's going to get his third of the year, and he's going to tie things up just about five minutes later. How about that goal, too? Jamie Alexiak and Geeky on the uh, rush there going down two-on-one. Alexiak, the big guy, the big defenseman on the rush like that, feeding Geeky for his already third goal of the season. Yeah, Alexiak's really been jumping into the offense this year, I think a little bit better. Like, he definitely did it a lot last year, but I think he's doing it more efficiently now, and you're seeing that. Yeah, I totally agree. Like they're starting to pick their spots at the appropriate times versus last year. You just seen the worst pinches from some of the D and they always looked unsure of themselves. And that's why the Kraken gave up so many odd man rushes last year. You're just not seeing the same things this year. You're seeing a lot of those mistakes actually getting cleaned up, which is really good for this hockey team. Yeah, we're seeing a much smarter Kraken squad much smarter and you know it was a bit of a interesting third period i had just gotten done work got home just in time for this third and uh calgary would kick things off with back-to-back goals in the first two minutes of the third period and at that point yeah i know i think everybody was thinking uh oh this one's about to slip away from the crack and but it just wasn't the case Man, I know I was definitely one of those people thinking, ah, shit, here we go again. What's the fucking meme? Is that, yeah, which GTA is that from? Ah, shit. Is it? The damn uh, train, CJ. Yeah, is it not San Andreas? I don't fucking ah, know. Ah, shit. I, think I didn't it play is. those. My parents wouldn't what? let me play GTA as a kid, so I had to go to my friend's house to play GTA Vice City. Vice City was great. Uh, San it. Andreas, classic. I, I love those two. Those were my, my favorites. Jumping yeah. back in, though, that was a crazy comeback in this third period for the Kraken, and it would kick things off. Basically, the special teams for Seattle, getting things going. And uh, Daniel Sprung, able to pop in his second of the year, and he, uh, he certainly picked his spot there. Yeah, that was, I think, a real nice feed from Wenberg there. After a little bit of a scramble, it pops out low to him, and he just makes the D commit to him enough, and then he fires it far side to Sprong. Yeah. And yeah, he makes the D commit there, and then Vladar, too. He freezes him up enough to uh, you know make it look like he's going to turn around, take that shot, but he finds Sprong just on that 
uh, across the crease there, just in that open slot. And, uh, you know, Spronger puts it away and uh, that would make it a 4-3 hockey game. And shortly after that, Yanni Gord with an absolute pick and uh, he goes in shorthanded and finally scores his first goal of the season. What a big, big time to get that goal for him. Yeah, that was huge, not just for him, but for the team too. I mean, on having a leak, uh, on the penalty kill, they're coming up ice full, head of steam at you. Gord just strips it and in we go. All the time in the world too. Yeah, that was a fantastic read by Yanni Gord there. And, you know, he's been snake bitten in the first 10 games of the season, uh, what it felt like. And it's good to see him finally getting on the board because he's such a big part of this hockey team. And, uh, you know, he he's one of the leaders of the team. So to see him get his first goal and make it shorthanded and a big moment like that to tie the game up, getting all the momentum in the Kraken's favor, and they weren't done there. No, exactly two minutes later, Eberle is going to have a nice little strip play of his own, this time at the defensive blue line instead of the offensive one. Him and Beneers are going to go down, and he's going to dish it across. And it's going to take him a second trying to control the puck there, but Matty finds the back of the net. And he does take that extra second to get that shot off, but he puts it right upstairs, right where uh, Vladar wasn't able to reach it. And what a goal and what a selly. That was a, that was a moment there for the kid. His fifth goal of the season, like you said there. Jordan Eberle getting the assist on the play, his seventh assist. And in a five-minute span, the Kraken go from down 4-2 to two to up 5-4 in this hockey game. And 5-4? They'd probably like that. I mean, I know I certainly did. Yeah, and they fucking loved that win. It ended up being 5-4. No empty netters on the play. And yeah, it was just a fantastic comeback win. And this really sparked the rest of the week for the Kraken. Yeah, you could tell this definitely set the tone for the rest of the week. Yeah, and I would say uh, Yanni Gord's best game of the season so far, just with, you know, how much he was all over the ice in this game, you know, just looking back at, at the highlights and everything. And, you know, let's let's give all the credit in the world to Joy Decord pulling off the victory. The fact that, you know, he stood there, faced 40 shots on goal, and, and uh, the guys were able to get a big comeback win for him. That was a huge moment. Yeah, it's fantastic to see your team step up anytime you got a young kid in net like that. Yeah, and you could tell they were super pumped uh, for him uh, to get that victory in the game. And then a couple nights later, they would walk in, still on the road, and going into a place that isn't easy to get wins, and that's in Minnesota. Yeah, they're certainly a good home crowd, eh? They are. They're lively, you know, they're the considered the state of hockey, right? So, uh, you know... They've been on an electric team to the last two, three years now. And and uh, they were facing a good squad here, but the Kraken absolutely gave it to them in this game. Yeah, I mean, after shit all happening in the first period, other than dominantly defensive hockey from the Kraken, then they get going offensively in the second period, exactly what we love to see, right? Yeah, and a tip-in goal, right? And guess who? Morgan Geeky, his fourth goal already in the season. Yeah, I think they said that was three goals in three games for him. Yeah, that three that goals, three games for, for Morgan Geeky at that point of that goal, his fourth goal there. And again, uh, Dylan Sprong out there creating things, gets an assist on it. Ryan Donato gets an assist on it, and the Kraken were up and running in the game. Yeah, and then after that one, they're going to get a beautifully executed four on two rush. And who's jumping up into the play? Goddamn right. It's the big rig, baby. Jamie Alexiak popping in his third of the season. And all the credit goes to first off, Justin Schultz with a great breakout pass uh, to find Yanni Gord. And then when Yanni Gord enters the zone, he almost looks off Jamie Alexiak at first, steps more into the middle of the ice there, makes it look like he's setting himself up for a nice wrister, and then finds Jamie Alexiak again, and Alexiak just buries it past Flurry there, the flower. That was all set up by Yanni Gord. What a play there. Yeah, the way you drop, like he being a left-handed shooter, the way he drops his right shoulder to show like, power loading his stick oh that was mm -hmm. perfectly executed 
Yeah, that was an absolute fake out. That would bring it to two nothing in the in the game, and they weren't done there either, right? No, then you're going to get another great play by Schultz, keeping it in on the blue line there. And he's they're eventually going to kind of get it to the net here. And then, wait a minute. What, what, what fucking sport are we playing? What sport are we watching? All of a sudden, we got guys doing headers, faking headers out front. Yeah, that's Alex Wenberg. And this was a crazy play, wasn't it? I mean, I couldn't believe that he tried... And we'll say try because they reviewed it twice. That's another bone I have to pick with the NHL. Get that fucking shit out of here. But fucking back of his head, headbutt the puck. Who even thinks of that in a split second? I don't know. But once you've seen the replay, because it was hard to tell where that puck hit and if it was his actual head. Obviously, they took a look at this one and he definitely faked the header. And let it go off his back and in. Uh, who thinks of that on the go? Like, I've only seen two different times in the NHL where a player actually did head put the puck uh, into the net. One was Andrew Shaw. I was in, just going to uh, say Andrew Shaw in the playoffs. Andrew Shaw in the playoffs. Can't remember what year, honestly. It might have been the 2015. Might have been, like, later on. or I'm not they even sure. Won. I can't remember. But... Uh, and then Colin White did it one time against Tampa. It was Ottawa versus Tampa a couple of years back uh, where a puck went straight up and he was just standing there watching it and then came straight back down. He headed it in. Obviously, both those goals were waved off, but this one wasn't because it was a fake header off the back in the net. What a play by Alex Wenberg. I couldn't believe it. I also no. could not believe the fucking NHL had to review it twice. First they review it, yeah, he headbutts it. And then we challenge it, and they're like, yeah, but he didn't headbutt it. And then they look at it again, and they're like, hmm, upon further review, the puck did not hit his head. I don't know why we didn't notice that the first fucking time we looked at it to call it no goal, because it did hit his head, but it didn't. So we're just sorry for wasting everyone's 10 minutes. Yeah, and they always talk about, you know, speeding those processes up so it's not killing, uh, like, the momentum and slowing the game down. But here we are reviewing the same play twice in a row. It just doesn't make sense. I never thought we'd get to the point where we fucking reviewed reviews. I know. It, it, it's pretty crazy, to be honest. Um, yeah, I would make it 3 nothing for the crack into a power play goal for Wenberg. And believe it or not, Alex Wenberg would go back-to-back, -back, no pun intended, and score the fourth goal of the game for the Kraken on a nice tip-in play from a point shot from Borgen. How about that? Back-to-back? -back? We're going back-to-back. -back. Yeah, Exactly. Yeah, we're that, going back-to-back. Yeah. -back. I think the funniest thing is I ended up tweeting about it, and I was like, imagine if Wenberg goes back-to-back. -back. <laughs> just a horrible dad joke. And there you have it. He scores goals two and three, just like that of the season for Wenberg. And not a guy who puts a lot of pucks in the net. So uh, it was pretty amazing to see that happen. And not only that, Jonesy back in net for this one with the 22 save shutout in the crack and take this game 4 nothing on the road against the Minnesota Wild. What a performance. Yeah, it was great to see. And you know what else was great to see too? Shane Wright got double digits of ice time. Yeah, he was back in this game, and uh, it was good to see him, you know, especially after a win like that. Usually the coach isn't going to be changing up the lineups too much, but, uh, you know, we've seen, I believe it was Coolman who wasn't in the game, and uh, and Wright would get to get back into it. And, and like you said, 13 minutes for him, 13.45, that's a, that's a big career high already for the guy. Well, McCann's hurt too. He didn't play that game or Pittsburgh I don't think I'm just double checking that yeah he didn't play Minnesota either yeah so I think that's didn't... where he's getting a little bit of his ice time is he getting some of McCann's time yeah exactly and uh, it's good to see the kid actually back on the ice again because I mean obviously it's been a big you know hot topic of you know sitting the guy you know how's that any good for his development but getting back in this playing 1345 
And, you know, and he was on that ice for a goal there too. He was making things happen. He wasn't that uh, completely quiet. He didn't have any shots, but he was the plus one there. And uh, he had a block in the game. So, uh, you know, overall, pretty good game from him. And speaking of rights development, I learned something about the NHL CBA last week that I did not know. Which yeah. I'm sure everyone's thinking like, yeah, shut up. That happens all the time. Yeah, no, this is kind of a new thing for me. I didn't know you could send right to the AHL. I didn't know there was the two-week period either. I think it was it's part of the new CBA, the newest CBA. It was something that was added on. But yeah, I didn't realize that either, especially See, for being a kid from the CHL, right? Now, I knew you could do it if they're coming back from injury. I knew you could do that for the conditioning stint, regardless of where they were drafted from. But what I mm-hmm. didn't know was just if Wright is scratched for five games in a row, Mm -hmm. then they could use it as a conditioning stint and send him down. You can only do it once for the year, but still that might be worth something. No, no, I know. Right. And, and it's interesting. They brought that up. uh, It's a, you know, obviously Elliot Friedman talking about it, how it's a big possibility that we'll see that happen. And, you know, I wouldn't be mad about it. That's for sure. I mean, it, it's probably going to help just gain some more confidence, play some first line minutes down there. That would be really good for Wright. And then again, being able to send him back for the world juniors as well, which is probably something that I would imagine is going to happen. Right. Yeah. I mean, Craig button did his team Canada preview or whatever today, and he has right on the team. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, I, I definitely believe that's going to happen. So, Um, Another player in this Minnesota game, though, who I thought just looked like they were everywhere and uh, just very involved in the plays, moving around a lot. Uh, And that was um, that was Dylan Sprong. I thought he looked fantastic. Sorry, Daniel Sprong. was a Dylan there. And I thought he looked fantastic. I mean, two assists. Uh, He was a plus one, three shots on net, uh, had a hit. He just felt like he was everywhere for a guy who only played 1135 of ice time. He's had a pretty good couple weeks. Yeah, he's, he's starting to look like an everyday NHLer and look more comfortable out there. Uh, not just a guy who's trying to get ready for the next shot all the time. He's, uh, you know, making plays happen, right? He's got the two assists in the game. He's being more involved. He, he had a hit. You know, That's not part of his game style, but it looks like he's starting to adapt to uh, different styles the ones that would keep him, you know, playing more NHL games and, and, and make him an everyday NHLer. Well, I can't believe it took his fourth team for that to click in. Fuck, I have to touch someone in an NHL game to stay here. Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> Crazy for sure. Um, but another solid game for the Kraken. Four nothing shutout. Huge game. Huge games for Jonesy. And that would lead them right into the final game of the week. And that was against your Pittsburgh Penguins, Durham. So funny story, I was I was watching the game, and I ain't going to lie to you, I was fucking cheering for Pittsburgh. But then, so I'm watching the first period, and I'm like, all right, yeah, decent game so far, both ways. And Saturday, we had a storm hit Norwich, and you know Norwich, if the fucking wind blows over 25 kilometers, there's a 30% chance of the power going out. So yeah, like intermission, yeah, exactly. my power's just in and out in and out in and out so uh i'm gonna feel bad saying this but i said fuck this shit and i didn't watch the rest of the game i left i went and watched my buddy he had a game that night in delhi so i went over there and watched that instead so i saw the yeah. first 20 well, nothing really happened in the first 22 it was pretty quiet it looked the worst. <laughs> I was going to say, like, uh, it was a pretty timid, pretty quiet first period of action. Pittsburgh kind of, you know, racked up some shots there. But, um, you know, no real action really happened until that second period where uh, Sidney Crosby scoring uh, his sixth of the season. Yeah, nice little feed from Gensel there. You know, they'd get the puck in the neutral zone. Those two work so well off of each other, right? Just find an open ice. Yeah, they definitely do. And... Uh, it looked like Jones was just a little slow coming across there. Just wasn't able to get that pad on it, even though it was along the ice, but a good little one-timer from Cross, but got answered pretty quickly by Vince Dunn. Damn straight. I think it was off an icing call there. Cause they said the pens D pair had been out there for a minute 20 already. 
So I'm assuming that was an icing, but beautiful face-off win by Gorge straight back to Dunn, and he just knuckle pucks the shit out of that thing, eh? Yeah, definitely looked like it was taking a few hops on the way, and uh, that's a tough one to stop any day, right? Yandy Gord getting the assist, obviously winning the face-off there and making that play happen, so uh, credit to him on that one as well. Well, I've seen D2. No one can stop Russ Tyler when he shoots that thing. Not a chance. Knuckle puck? No way. No, it's going in every time. Yeah. And then Yanni Gord would uh, give the crack in the lead in this game. And at one point, though, Brian Rust had a waved off goal as well, right? And that was in the second period? No, I think it was before the one nothing goal. Okay, so it was even way before that. Yeah, I couldn't remember exactly yeah, he had, when. Watching it, I thought it was just a picked snipe. But no, did not go in. Off the bars, stays out. Yeah. But yeah, back to it though. Yanni Gord is second of the season. So, you know, he's having himself a pretty hot week. And and Tanev and Geeky getting the assists on that one. That was a pretty play. Yeah, it's nice to see this team getting the bounces going their way this year. Instead of, it felt like last year, if there was a puck bounce, it went against the Kraken. Dude, it was crazy. It, I, it was like, yeah, everything was against them last season. And they, they weren't the best team either, but uh, you know, they would get that goal, take the lead in the game. And then Gensel with his sixth of the year after, well, you know, recently coming back from injury, uh, tying the game up just halfway through the third period. Yeah. Being a uh, Maddie Beneers, the birthday boy there Saturday, I was going to text the boys and be like, put fucking everything on Beneers to score a goal tonight. Unfortunately, it went in his own net when he tipped that pass. They were trying to hit rust in the crease there and Beneers made a Almost good defensive play, just had the wrong angle on his stick there, unfortunately. Yeah, he tried to get the stick on it and ended up tipping it past Jones. So a bit of an unlucky one there, but uh, that's okay. The game wasn't over because just with about three and a half minutes left in the game, late Yanni Gord right behind the net. You got him geeky battling for puck right behind the net of uh, Pittsburgh there. And he's able to find Brandon Tanev all alone out front and he receives that puck and takes that split second to make sure he pops it upstairs to give the crack in the lead late in the game. Yeah, that was just a perfectly executed down low cycle. Throw it down to the other side. I think it was Gord threw it down and then Geeky picked it up and then chipped it back down to Gord who'd followed his, you know, filled the lanes, the old three lane drill we all had as kids growing up. Filled yeah. the lane where he passed the puck. And then, like you said, just found Tanev. And what a shot that was, too. Oh, that was an absolute beauty of a shot. Just to pick it uh, in close like that, top shelf. That's not easy to do, especially when you are you have limited time like he did. And not only that, the game winner, too, because the Kraken would hold on for a 3-2 victory in this game in Pittsburgh and sweep the road trip. Absolutely phenomenal stuff from the Kraken. Man, that was just fantastic shit to see. A stat that I saw going into the game, too, for, like, let's just talk about Marty Jones here for a second. Yeah. Jones' last five games played against Pittsburgh going into Saturday night. He was 5-0 and with a 0.8 goals against average and a 983 save percentage. And I'm pretty <laughs> sure Pittsburgh only um, led for two and a half minutes in those five games. Holy shit. You did some digging to get that stat. That is nah, phenomenal. Someone else did all the work. <laughs> I was going to say, holy. And that had to have been, uh, I'm assuming, you know, obviously this game with, with Seattle here, uh, he had to do, done that with at least, at least three teams, I would think. Yeah, he'd have, well, he'd have the one with Seattle from last week. And then I think one was with Philadelphia when he was with the fucking Still there. Yep. And then, and then potentially San Jose as well, I'm assuming. Yeah, back in uh, 2016. That is crazy. That is wild because, uh, you know, to have five games against Pittsburgh and we're talking about you know, Pittsburgh, this all would have happened the last five to six years for sure, right? So um, to be able to have that kind of stat line against a team like Pittsburgh, that's crazy. That's um, 983 save percentage. 
right? wild, bro. Wild. Through five fucking games? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't see that too often. But, know. you know, one big part of their success on this road trip uh, is the fact that the penalty kill uh, was absolutely lights out. They didn't give up a power play goal in all three of those games, Durham. That's fucking phenomenal. Yeah, so no power play goals against. And this was a team who was ranked 32nd in the league going into this week. Now push themselves to, I think, 23rd overall or 24th overall in the NHL right now. Um, I got that stat before last night's game, though. So I don't know if it's moved around. But the fact that you jumped that many spots, around eight spots, uh, just within three weeks of not giving up a power play goal, that's pretty impressive stuff. Yeah, that's great when because the, they're getting power plays power play goals too. So anytime your special teams are working in tandem like that, as we saw, you're gonna get the wins most likely. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's been it's been pretty phenomenal. I mean, they were four for four in Calgary. They were two for two in Minnesota, and then three for three against Pittsburgh. So uh, that's another big reason why this team was so successful on this road trip. And because of that, look where they are in the standings now. Right unbelievable right right, right behind there. vegas yep they're right behind vegas now sitting in second place in the pacific division now with 16 points uh you know seven four and two record a plus five goal differential this is just a different team durham and without like let's be honest without their top two goalies yeah without their top to presumably their top two goalies they're getting it done without them uh they're getting it done without <laughs> without you know it, sorry you know what it reminds me of what tell me this first two weeks is not the exact same first two weeks that vegas had all their oh goalies died God. and they just fucking their kept first winning year yep that is actually scarily similar they're winning games with like Oscar Dansk in that. You're probably like, who's that? Exactly. Does he even play anymore? Not in the Is NHL. He in North America? I don't know. Somebody find this guy. We got to figure that out. You know, an elite prospects here. But, uh, dude, the Seattle Kraken right now, as we stand, they are tied for sixth in the NHL with 16 points. They're tied with Detroit, the Islanders, and Toronto right now. That is pretty wild when you think about it, where this team is. And now that we're already, all the teams are at least 10 games in, some of the very, very early playoff predictions are coming out with the percentages and stuff. A lot of the, a lot of the percentages I'm seeing already have the Kraken around 70% to make playoffs. I know it's super early and it's tough to actually use those percentages, but that is, speaks volumes to how well this team is playing. Yeah, it's a lot better percentages than they had last year, too. Did they even have any percentages last year? It was like I after think the, the first bare minimum, weeks, it was like 0.3%. I was just going to say, I don't think they ever say zero until they're mathematically eliminated. The lowest I've seen is 0.2. Yeah, it's, it's hilarious, actually. But how important is the next handful of games for the Kraken? Because now they're starting a huge six-game homestand. Uh, that is huge. I mean, if they're able to win four of those games, they're putting themselves in a really good spot. Yeah, they're going to put them, well, I mean, especially who they're playing against, right? Like you've got the Kings and San Jose in there. So there's a couple division rivals that you need to beat to keep your playoff spot. Yeah, exactly. And let's head right into the matchup of tonight, which is against the Nashville Predators that we got the Preds in town. And this is a team that struggled a lot. And it's something I had uh, kind of mentioned to you before the season started that, you know, Nashville might be a team that struggles to start off because they are starting in Europe. And it seems like when that happens with these NHL teams, they play those global series games. Sometimes it just seems like a big adjustment coming back from Europe and jumping right back into the, the season. And that seemed to be the case for Nashville. Lately, they are coming off a two-game win streak, though. Yeah, they've definitely got their groove back, I think. Like, you look at their goaltending stats, like, I'm sure everyone's going to look at it and be like, what the fuck? What are you talking about? They've got their groove back. Kevin Lankinen's like, almost doubling Saros in wins. 
And it's like, <laughs> yeah, Kevin Lankinen's got five wins and Saros only has three and they're still getting better. You think Saros is not going to take over the starting net again? Yeah, we're talking about, you know, an elite goalie. I mean, a Vesna finalist. I mean, the guy carried my fantasy team and might be doing the same for you now that you stole him in an absolute steal of a trade in fantasy hockey from the same guy who just seems to want to make your team better, which is a pretty interesting strategy on his part. But credit well, he to beat you for me picking up Saros. Yeah. So does he just feel bad about it? I don't know. I feel like he's try he's trying to get you the win, but uh, you don't want to know how that trade him. happened. <laughs> okay, yeah, I definitely don't want to know because if there's <laughs> there's some if there's something going on there that's a little uh you know borderline, I I don't want to get heated about it right now. Nah, but nah, there's no collusion or whatever. None of that <laughs> shit. It was just funny story how it ended up happening. All right. Well, maybe uh, maybe for a different day. But heading back into this matchup here against Nashville, what do you expect out of this game tonight? I'm expecting their top, like Nashville's top line, to kind of carry a lot of the offense because after that, there's not really much. And then Yossi's going to bring pretty much everything from the back end. And honestly, I'm just expecting Seattle to keep their groove going. Don't fuck with what ain't broken. Yeah, don't fuck with what's not broken. Uh, you know, it does look like Wright's not going to be in the lineup tonight, which um, it's hard to say you don't expect it at this point, right? So, um, right, as I say. Oh. But, but um, yeah, it's going to be another good good battle here. Nashville, obviously, they're, they're starting to find their stride. But we got Seattle riding a four-game win streak, and this is a franchise record for him, them. So they're going for the big five-game win streak tonight, the drive for five. So I'm excited to see what kind of energy they bring. They're playing with some real high confidence right now. So if they could find a way to get out to an early lead, uh, you know, I really like their chances in this game. Yeah, I think they could definitely lock it down against Nashville since they don't, in my opinion, have a whole lot of offensive prowess. No, and I think the story in this one is going to be the special teams. Um, you know, Seattle's a top five team on the power play, uh, and their PK has been great as of late, but it's still not ranked the best. And Nashville's a bit of a, a different story. They're a bit reversed where uh, their penalty kill is is like sitting sixth in the league right now. It's been the strong suit of the team, but their power play res- really hasn't gotten going. So uh, I'm really interested to see what kind of effect the uh, the special teams has on tonight's game. I don't know if it's just me, but like I can't think of Nashville having a good power play since they had Shea Weber. Yeah, I think last year was the best Nashville power play they had in a long time. And but I mean. Every- they had what two 40 goal scores and they had Yossi who put up 90 plus points on the back end and a good handful of points on, on the power play. But uh, other than that, uh, yeah, they're really not known to be a strong team uh, on the, on the main advantage, right? Yeah, not usually. I'm pretty sure that's actually why a couple of their coaches got fired. Yeah, that, yeah, that, that tends to happen. Um but uh, yeah, just just looking at the goalie matchups for tonight, it uh, it certainly appears that uh, as it loads right here that Saros is going to be a net, and it's obviously Martin Jones who's uh, you know running the show. He's six three and one record, so why aren't you going to go with him with a big matchup against Nashville here? So uh, yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it should be a good game. And then uh, after that, they don't play till Friday, which is uh, November 11th. No uh, Remembrance Day here in Canada. So, uh, you know, a big day to sit back and just remember and be thankful for everything that the soldiers gave up. You know, they they paid the ultimate sacrifice just so we could live a free life, obviously. So, you know, tons of respect there. But it should be another doozy. And this is going to be a bit of a vengeful game, don't you think? Yeah, I mean... Seattle just shut out Minnesota in Minnesota, right? So if there's a time to be pissed off coming to play Seattle and you're the wild, it's now. Yeah, you have to expect to see Minnesota's best, uh, especially after going in their barn, shutting them out and dominating them. You're going to expect a big pushback from the Minnesota wild here. 
Yeah, I'm like after getting like let's be honest, that was probably the best defensive game the Kraken have ever played. Yeah, I'm putting it right up there. I mean, the game they had for their first victory into the season against Buffalo where they only gave up 17 shots, um, that was right up there. But <laughs> this is going to be a hungry, hungry team, and I wouldn't expect them to look as flat as uh, they just did. The The interesting thing here is, um, so Seattle plays, or sorry, Minnesota plays tonight, and uh, this is their first game since uh, they played Seattle. So they really haven't played a lot of hockey as of late. They play Los Angeles tonight. And then they're going to be, uh, you know, pretty fresh going into that game, basically, in, in Seattle. So, uh, yeah, like we said, expect expect a hard-fought game. And it's going to be a hard it's going to be a tough one. You're going to have to find a way to shut down that first line in Minnesota, just like they did last time. Yeah, exactly. I think we know if that's the success. If you can do that, you're going to be all right. So Jones plays tonight. Do you think we get another look at uh, Joey Decord in this week? Yeah, I think you probably played Decord against Minnesota. I don't see any reason to play Jones twice against the same team within a week. Yeah, although he did shut him out. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. I, I think you got to give Joy Decord another start there. So the Minnesota one does make sense. Why not do it that game? And then you get the another day rest. And then they get the Sunday matchup versus Winnipeg. The Jets. Yeah, so so that's a good one. Going to be exciting. And how about the Jets, eh? They're off to a nice good start for them. They're 7-3-1 so far in the year, and it looks like Hellebuck has found his groove again in net. Yeah, it seems like all my future bets come in a year after I want them to. Like, I think last year I put five bucks on the Flyers to win the Cup just because they had stupid odds, and I'm like, yeah, fuck, they got, a de- they got a decent goalie. I think they brought in Ryan Ellis, but then he ended up getting hurt and not playing. But I also yeah. bet on Winnipeg to win the conference or sorry, win their division, not the conference. And this year they're off to a hot start. And last year they were not, they were just, they were hot garbage last year. They just couldn't figure it out, especially with uh, the additions on the back end and everything. But you know, they got the new coach this year and things seem to be working out so far for them. And a couple guys who have kind of, yeah, you know, seem like they've revitalized their careers a little bit. And one of those players being Josh Morrissey on the back end, he's off to a really good start. Uh, you know, a point per game player through 11 games. Yeah. Who would have seen that coming? Eh? Like, I don't, honestly, I would have guessed at his best, you're looking at 45, 50 points for Morrissey just because he's such a fucking animal defensively. That guy's he a is. menace. He is for, for a smaller defenseman of, you know, his statue, stature statue stature stature um then (laughs) yeah you really get to see a guy like him compete for his size like he he's a bit of a menace back there and he's got a bit of a nasty side to him so i've always liked josh morrissey but uh you know he had a very strong start to his nhl career in his early years and then he seemed to be faded away a little bit especially after he signed his big deal but uh you know lately he's he's come back to form yeah, I don't know if it's entirely fair to really criticize him the last couple of years because, like, everyone's everyone I'm sure wants to point out, oh, he signed his big money and then didn't do as well. It's like, yeah, but did you see what else happened when he signed his big money? They lost everybody. They lost a lot of size, a lot of grit. They lost and... Buffalo and Truba and Myers Yeah, in the same and... season. I think it's fair to say they, in a sense, lost their identity because of that. Yeah. Um, yeah but they're starting totally to agree. kind of build build a new identity here. And, you know, the guy who's really leading things up front for them right now seems to be Luke Pierre Dubois. He's off to a really good start this year again. And he doesn't even want to be there. Apparently not. Yeah. It's, it's kind of a interesting situation. So um, definitely no easy opponents or easy games going into this week. There never really is in the NHL, but uh, these are all, all teams that are going to be pushing, starting to look better. 
uh, playing better hockey as of late. So a uh, pretty tough week. I know we guessed two and one for the Kraken last week. They ended up going three and oh, what do you got this week, Durham? Status quo, baby. I'm going two and one again. Status quo. This team's hot right now. They're pushing for their fifth win in a row and hopefully extending that even longer than that. So I like it. Let's go two and one this week as well. I dig it. Football fans, NFL Sundays are only getting better, and so are the incredible offers at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. Check this out. Right now, everyone can earn up to a 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to DraftKings Sportsbook app, place a same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, player props, and point totals. With bigger payouts than ever before, DraftKings Sportsbook is my go-to when betting on the NFL. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, and place a $5 pregame money line bet to get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL with code THPN. All right, welcome back, Kraken fans. We have a bit of NHL news that have been going around lately. Uh, Durham, you want to kick things off? I feel like uh, you know it's appropriate for you to read off this first one. Thank you. I am truly honored. With this one, we're going to congratulate Sid, the no longer kid, on 900 career assists. 20th player to ever hit that mark. He's the only active skater with 900 apples. And only five people did it with less games played. Impressive, bro. This is, uh, you know, it's truly special that uh, we're getting to see, uh, you know, Sid, the no longer kid, just, you know, his whole NHL career. And we pretty much got to watch that. So um, the fact that he's at 900 assists right now, uh, that, that speaks that's just tremendous. It's amazing. It feels like that happened so fast. I don't know. It, like to think 900 assists already for him. That's wild. Right. Like I could sit here and literally remember when I got the book being little fucking nine year old Alex sitting there in Florida, reading a book about Sidney Crosby and his biography on his junior career. And then being like, fuck, this guy's pretty good. And then watching as many of his games as I possibly could for the next 17 years. Pretty wild to think about. Not only that, but another iconic player who came in the league at the same time. Mr. Ovechkin. Ovi passes Howe for the most goals with one franchise with 787. And is going to become the second all-time this season. With... 802 holy crap is that wild right like only three people have ever hit 800 or sorry only two people have ever hit 800 goals and we're about to see a third unless he How gets lucky. injured but we're talking about the russian bull like he ain't fucking getting hurt yeah go look at his stats how often does he miss games it's not often folks um he's missed more games due to lockouts and covid than he has his own injuries so um that speaks volumes and dude we're just so lucky to be able to watch these two studs uh these two iconic players uh from start all the way to finish hopefully to finish you know I don't want to jinx anything here, but uh, just special to get to watch these guys do uh, do their thing and and have such a such an important impact on the game of hockey. And not just that too, but like you said, these guys both came in at the exact same time due to a lockout, but mm-hmm. they both like were so much fucking better than everybody else in the league at different things. So yeah, like, and Ovi they, would run they, people through walls and fucking blow the puck through the net, and then you got Sid setting guys up and dancing up ice when he was a young lad, just sprinting through the fucking D there. 
Yeah, they were both electrifying players, like the two most electrifying players in the game of hockey, respectively, um, but for different reasons, right? Exactly, and I think that was, in I think that's like one of the most incredible things is, like you say, mo- the most electrifying people in the sport the last 15, 20 years, and yeah, they don't and- even excel at the same skill. Yeah, and like obviously there's been players who have came into the league and had huge impacts and yeah, obviously since McDavid's been in the league, you'd say, you know, obviously the he's been the best player all of this, but the the fact that these two players have have been going strong for like you said, what 17 years now, like 16 years in the NHL, whatever it is, um it, it's pretty fascinating uh that they really haven't taken uh, a major step back through all these seasons and they, and they've been so consistent and they've both stuck with the same teams during all of it, which is even more wild in the same division. Right. And they've just been dominant since day one. Like both of them came in as rookies and Ovi was a 50 goal scorer and a hundred point getter. And Crosby was a 100 point getter. And you fast forward 17 years and we're like, yeah, Ovi's going to score 50 and Sid's going to be a point a game. Yeah. Like, what? And, what do you mean there's yeah. been no drop-off? Yeah, I know. Like, who would have thought, right? And it just goes to show when you read out these stat lines, like, holy crap, how good have these guys been and how consistent. And, you know, they were such marketable players in the NHL when they came in, and they're still those same style marketable players. I mean... When you're looking at the the top ten jerseys sold year by year by year, Ovi and Sid are in that top ten, if not the top five area, every single year they've been in the league. Exactly. Like, if I ever have kids, the first jersey I buy them is entirely going to depend on whether they're left or right handed. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> So so if they're right-handed, are you getting them an Ovi? Hell yeah. They're going to fucking sit there and take one-timers for six hours a day. Are you kidding me? <laughs> oh, my God. That's brilliant. Every like, team needs a right-handed bomb. Yeah, it's true. It's true. You need somebody with an office, right? Just just cranking them past the goalies. Just, just tie things up in the net and just shoot at them. Right? I'm going to shoot it harder than you could fucking think what does that mean exactly yeah i don't even know what you meant by that but exactly that was (laughs) yeah okay moving along here because we've been pumping these guys tires quite a bit here um there's a bit of a fucked up story let's just put it that way that's been going on in the nhl and it's surrounded by the boston bruins and that's the uh the ice hockey player mitchell miller um, getting signed by Boston. Uh, it's been a pretty wild story, eh? It's been just fucking stupid on the Bruins' part. Like, yeah, hundred percent. How do you agree. sign you a player and then the next day find out he's not even eligible to play in the league from the commissioner? Yeah, like how do you, how did they not go to the NHL commission office and and go to the go go through all that process to make sure they were doing the you know, their due diligence on this player. And this is a guy who was what he was supposed to be, or was he was drafted by Arizona? He was drafted in the third round by Arizona. And then when they found, when they did more digging into like what he did and what he went to court for and was convicted and the abuse that he well tormented that kid with for years, they rescinded the pick, which is as far as I'm aware the first time in my lifetime I've seen that happen in the NHL. A hundred. Yeah. As far as I know too, I've never heard of that happening either. Yeah. They literally revoked the pick, his draft status um, because this guy was, you know, doing, doing extreme bullying on his classmate. Um, And like, it wasn't just like, it was a disabled classmate too. Like, and apparently this went on for a long time. So, yeah, it just wasn't just a disgusting. one and done event. And not only that, but some of the stuff you heard coming out about it, um, 
when it was like brought up about the apology and how he apologized and how it only happened like a week before Boston signed him and all this crap. And it's like, fuck you, pal. Like you're a piece of shit. Like, right? like he didn't, I don't care if you apologize. did it at 14, but like you didn't apologize sincerely. This isn't something you're, you really made an effort to go out of your way with. Yeah. This kid can, you know, I don't want to sit here and trash him because at the end of the day, he made some poor choices when he was around 13, 14, 15 years old. And, you know, that's going to happen with teenagers. But I mean, yeah, but he up, didn't make a poor choice you did. that normal kids do. He did a pretty fucked up thing. Yeah, 100%. And then 100%. after that, it's not like that was the only poor choice when he was 13 or 14. So then after he had his pick rescinded, he still didn't apologize or go into community service or bother doing all these things. So there's chance two that you lost. Uh, you could argue your second chance would have been after you were convicted, ordered to write a court or had a court order or apology that to be written. And in the apology, you wrote, sorry for the inconvenience I caused your family. Like, what the fuck is that? Yeah. Ordered to stay was... away from the kid and you claim that your walking route to and from school goes by his front door. Like, if the court tells me to stay the fuck away from someone, I'm not walking by his front porch ten times a week. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a really good point, too. Either way, at least um, at least this kid's not getting a chance and and they obviously parted ways with, with the prospects, so um that's you know that's a good thing and i'm glad uh but what a fucking mess what a disaster <laughs> that was like for a team like boston who's just sitting in first in the league like way to drop a, a just a toxic nuke bomb into that dressing room there and and not only that like you have the players having to answer about it in the media and i seen a clip of nick felino talking about it and you know thank God he was just like, that's not what we stand for here. Like this isn't like basically saying like, what the fuck were they thinking? Like just brutal. eh? Well, I read that like, obviously they asked the players their thoughts about the signing before that's been documented. One of the players, when they were told they were going to sign Mitchell Miller said, why, why would you do that? And then apparently Patrice Bergeron had told Don Sweeney, I'm not comfortable with this and he should not be a part of our dressing room. And then they signed him. Yeah, that's bonkers. And, and what they said in their release was based on new information. We believe it is the best decision at this time to resign the opportunity for Mitchell Miller to represent the Boston Bruins. So, it sounds like they really did have all the information, um, but they they probably didn't expect this this much backlash. Yeah, that's like what they said there is just complete crock of shit. They either didn't want to know or they knew and didn't care because mm -hmm. they didn't even reach out to the victim's family. And that's kind of like fucking number one you do. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So credit to the, the players in that room for sticking up to, uh, you know, the right thing. And, and Bergeron obviously leading the way in, in what he said and guys like, you know, Nick Foligno and, and uh, Brad Marchand and all of them just sticking to, you know, the right thing and, and not, not letting this shit happen because ultimately I think it was a lot of the players and, and the backlash that they gave their own GM that, uh, that really helped. And not only that, but all the media and everyone uh, just talking and, and absolutely roasting the Boston Bruins because of it. Right. So at That's the end of the day, I love about following Pete Blackburn on Twitter, he's a massive Bruins fan, but he will just carve that team when they do dumb shit. And he was all over them this weekend. Yeah. So stick taps to Pete Blackburn for that one too. Fucking a. All right, Durham. Player of the week, who's it going to be? Well, I won't, I know everyone's probably thinking, like, how can you not give it to the goalies after the week they had? And that's on me. I was a fucking idiot. I said last week when we picked our player of the week, we gave it to Marty Jones because I said, come on, it's our third string goalie. 
how many, like realistically, how many chances is he going to get to win player of the week? So we gave it to him because he was in a tie with, I think, Schwartz last week, correct? Yep. And then he just told me to go fuck myself and shoved it right up my hoop. He got Dude. a shutout last week. Huge win against Pittsburgh, too. Like, How often do we get it shoved up our hoop on this pod? It's kind of like the highlight, to be honest. It kind of is. Yeah, it's it's embarrassingly happening every single week. So, uh, but but, but this we week, did give baby, it to. yeah, <laughs> take it away, Dur. We went with Yanni Gord, big yeah. five points in three games, getting his shit together. Got his first goal of the year, short fucking handed too. Making things happen Yanny. in all three of those games. Plus, yeah, yeah, like you said, you add in the shorthanded goal to tie that game in Calgary too. That really helped kick off the whole week and you know help help start that that winning streak on the road. So Yanny Gord back to his old ways of you know putting up points and and uh, getting on the score sheet a bit more. Let's get the center depth rolling for the boys now. Yep, roll right into it, baby. And uh, what's up next, er? Well, what else we're going to roll into is rolling in the deep, baby. You're getting tossed into the deep end. Oh, boy. Here we go. What do you got for me? I got three for you. Here's the first one. Who's going to be the first coach fired? First coach fired. Oh, Lanta. Um, Ah, man, that's tough. I mean, did you see, I mean, I've seen some of the stuff on uh, Twitter about uh, Bruce Boudreaux and <laughs> you, you seen that too? <laughs> yeah, I was showing my dad that today. I was like, if you're Bruce, how shitty would you feel going to work? <laughs> no kidding. I mean, he's making some good money, but I have, I have him right there at the top of my list. And I actually am going to throw Barube right there at the top of my list too because i with a three seven and oh start for st louis and the kind of roster that they have i could see something getting switched there yeah i like those i wouldn't have thought of barube i thought for sure you'd be like boudreaux next question boudreaux barube um is there anyone else that starts with a b here Let's see. <laughs> no, I don't think so. What? Okay, I gotta ask you. Do you think Sullivan is on the hot seat as a, at all? Nah, he just got an extension like okay a month ago. Had to ask. Had to ask. Moving on. What else do you got? Numero Deuce, Schwartz and Beniers are both on pace to break thirty goals and sixty points. Do they both make it? Uh, Beneers, I'd say, yep. Schwartz, off to a great start, looking a lot better than last year. And usually, you know, his career high is kind of hovering just above 60 points or just around that 60 points. Um, he was kind of consistent with that 50, 55 point range, I think, in St. Louis there for a number of years. That's a tough one because he's not exactly getting the top line minutes, especially with Burakovsky up there. I, I think he's going to fall just shy of that. I think there's a lot of uh, scoring depth on this team now. I think Beneers has the best shot at breaking that, but I think Schwartz is going to fall short of it. I think he'll be somewhere in the mid-50s for point range, maybe 25 goals. That's what I have for Schwartzy. So just short for both. Yeah. You know, no, Beneers is going to, but Schwartz No, I meant fall. for 30 goals and 60 oh, points yes. for Schwartz. Yeah, I yeah, exactly. I think he's going to fa- fall just short for both. I could see that. I'm going to have to agree with you on both of them. And nice, I like our it. final one here. Will Jones lead the Kraken and wins? Jonesy. Will Jonesy he's lead? killing it right now. I think he's got four-win lead on anyone else. Neither of the starting goaltenders for the team have wins this year. Here's the thing. How many games in are we? <laughs> Just 13. 13 games. Yeah. So 69 left. Nice. Nice. Um, 
This is a tough one. I still think Grubauer has a lot of hockey left. He's back on the ice today, which is signaling that he could be returning next week. Uh, I don't know if they're going to rush things. I I wouldn't be surprised if he's still out for another five to seven days. But when he gets back, he's going to be given every opportunity to win that starting position back, I believe. And by the end of it, I think it's going to be close between wins with these two goalies. So I'm going to give a small edge to the German gentleman. I think Grubauer is going to lead this team in wins. But what Jones has done has been super impressive. And I couldn't have been more wrong at the start of the season when I said, don't expect anything from him because he has been lights out. And again, another moment to uh, let myself bend over and shove it up my hoop there. Hey, it fucking gets all of us. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I said Jones was dog water too. I also said Chris Gibson wouldn't play in the NHL. And then I think he got called up the next fucking day. He didn't play, but but it got close. Oh, we got to have a shove it up our hoop. We got to get a shove it up our hoop count going for the rest of the season. How many many times is it going to happen, you know? Maybe at the end of the year, that's our last pod. It's just here's the hoop section. Here's the hoop count. Yeah. The hoop count. That fucking sounds funny. Sounds brutal. I don't even want to picture that in my head. Too late. Well, that pretty much wraps up this episode, Durham. Yeah, that, I think that's uh, right down to the end of numero five there. Yeah, uh, that pretty much wraps up new, uh, numero five. Holy spit it out, Ty. Thanks, for everybody, for tuning in to episode five here. Make sure to rate this episode five stars if you've enjoyed it, and stay tuned for episode six when we talk about this homestand for the Kraken and anything else Seattle Kraken, baby. Let's get the puck out of here, Durham, and cheers, everybody. Cheers.